Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos, and today's episode is presented by who else? BetOnline.ag. That's why it remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL to bowl season to esports to MLB coming up, NHL, NBA playoffs. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport. So what are you waiting for? Head to BetOnline.ag right now and join. Receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to receive that reward bet online where the game starts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming into the pod i got a fever a spring training fever so that's right we're gonna talk a little mlb today and talk a little chicago cubs here on bet on chicago pod so let's bring in my two favorite cubs consiglieres let's start first here with mr dom fortini what's up dom 22 more days till real baseball begins can't be happier happy to be here Oh man, it seems longer. It, the spring training seems longer this year than any other. Maybe because we've had truncated spring trainings in the last couple of years. Uh, also coming up, what else would it be a Cubs pod without a man who, if you ever need the young rock to get arrested, uh, this is your guy right here. Bring him in. He's going to lock him up and throw away the key. It's Sean Graves. What's up, Sean? What's up? That's what I do. Root for the Cubs and I slap cuffs, my friend. That's what I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, gentlemen, uh, the season is almost upon us. We're about three weeks away. This is not a win-loss prediction show. This is a storyline, Chicago Cubs and Major League Baseball storyline podcast today. And gentlemen, we've been doing this since 2020. I think this is maybe our third year together talking Chicago Cubs baseball here on Bet on Chicago. And I have to tell you that we usually walk into it with really great intentions, but by the end of it, we're severely kind of depressed. We're exhaling. We're talking about trading people. It's also super sad. Um, I do I do want to get your general emotional pulse really quick as we're heading into the season. Because I have to be honest with you, I'm kind of excited. Is it okay for me to be a little excited for Chicago Cubs baseball now? Are my aspirations probably meeting my excitement level? Probably not. But this is probably the most excited I've been for the last couple of years. Sean, what say you? No, I agree with you. I, I think it. As Cub fans, we can be excited because I think we're past the let's sell the entire team. I think at the deadline, I know we have some guys on one-year deals, but we're past the we, – we've ripped the Band-Aid. All the heartbreak of the Rizzos and the Bryants and the country, that stuff is all done now. We've kind of turned that page. We can start to see a little light, hopefully, at the end of the tunnel. So I understand the excitement, and I'm with, their, with you as well. Dom, hop in on this one. How many horse tranquilizers do you need for your excitement for this season coming up? I hope that light at the end of the tunnel is not a train coming the other way, buddy. Like, listen, <laughs> is it okay to be excited? It depends what is what you're basing your excitement on. Should the team be better? Should they be improved? Should they be a little bit more watchable? I'll go yes. Is this the team that's going to make the run and, and do it? No. This is a placeholding team as you know, that's what these guys are. This is like a C B minus C plus team. We're going to slap all these guys together, see what sticks, but should you be more excited? Yeah. A little bit. Uh, we're, we're, we're ramping it up just yeah. a tiny little bit <laughs> as we move along here, because it's been a tough road the last couple of seasons for Chicago Cubs fans. I mean, no lie. And, you know, you go through 108 years, you get spoiled for seven and then, you know, we're picking up the pieces ever since that. And now here we are. I, I think my excitement level, Dom, I want to come back with you, is just is, is in the sense of 
I am excited really to watch a lot of this young pitching. I think there's a couple of names that are probably penciled in on this roster, this bullpen, this rotation right now that I think we're going to see midseason that, that haven't been expected. And I am kind of excited, excited to watch a young kid throw six innings, one run ball and get excited for that. I'm kind of excited to watch Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner possibly turn into a double play combo that will be around for years to come. And there are a couple of guys on this team, like namely Cody Bellinger, who, if he plays well, if he turns it around, can also be another exciting player uh, to watch this summer at Wrigley. Sure. I mean, hey, if you're going to say, what did we want at the end of last year? Here's what you got to do. You got to sign some names to come in here. You got to get some people to be competitive. And they got the memo. Like, I mean, Dansby Swanson, Cody Bellinger. Those are, those are quality gets. Like I understand Cody Bellinger is kind of a head case. Anybody who can separate a shoulder, bang in your elbow on a teammate in the world, you know, celebrate, you hit a home run in the world series. I hear you. But if you're dumb enough to do that, good luck, my friend. But so I'm excited for Dansby. Like this is the Dansby era. He should, he should be able to handle this, but I mean, Trey Mancini, Eric Hosmer's and these, some of these guys are winners. Now that I say this out loud, this sounds like major league. Like, look at these guys. We're piecing together. <laughs> these guys, a couple winners over here, but like, you know, this, this is kind of a ragtag bunch and, and who knows again, who knows what's going to stick out of this group. So let's just throw it all at the wall and see what happens. What's, what's the worst you, you trade an Eric Hosmer mid season. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm okay with this. Yeah, no, that's a great tease for my next question for Sean, because I think this team is intriguing, which maybe has me excited because it really can go either way, right? And I'm not saying 100 wins to 70 wins, but probably more in the 75 to the 85 area. And it, and it will be intriguing to watch if this team can be a collection of the parts, you know, the sum is better than the whole or whatever the sum is better than the collection of its parts. Thank you. It's spring training. I'm, I'm getting my arm loose. I'm getting coming out in post. coming out. In post. Um, but yeah, no. So Sean, I mean, I was going to kind of say that, you know, is this the season I kind of had here on my notes over under 2.5 players traded at the deadline over under 1.5 players acquired at the deadline. Um, you know, this season really can kind of go either way. If you had to lean one way right now, do you think we're buying or selling at the deadline? Well, so I, I think that kind of leads back into what Dom just said. Like when you get to your level of excitement, right? Like I don't think anybody's foolish enough to be like, oh, we're going to win 107 games this year, right? But like when we're getting to the deadline, it's a week out. Are we are we four games behind whoever is in first? Are we three games behind the second wild card? Like that, I think that's where my excitement is. I think that with this group, we can be there. And hopefully if we are there, we are looking to add and maybe I'll lead us into to a story right here. Like a big question for me in Major League Baseball this year is does Shohei Otani get traded? If Shohei Otani gets traded at the deadline, are the Cubs involved in that? Are they close enough to say, we'll give it up, we'll make a, a chance to push this year, hoping to re-sign him in the offseason? Storyline number one. I mean, I think that's going to be the storyline all season long yeah. in Major League Baseball, Dom, is Shohei Otani. Um, you know, what uh well yeah how do you think this kind of plays out because the thing the thing that we can all agree on is that the angels are going to screw this up and they're not <laughs> going to be comp they're not going to be competitive right and they're going to maybe be four or five games under 500 a week before the trade deadline and the news is going to be so dominating of who's going to come in and swoop in and take him you know if you had your pick right now i mean so sean real quick are you saying that you that you that the cubs could trade for him mid-season or are you trying to say to put yourself in a position to maybe be competitive enough 
to make him intrigued by coming back to Wrigley, which was his second choice when he came over? Well, let me answer your, 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 your previous question real quick, too. I still think it's more likely that we are over the two and a half traded under the one and a half coming yeah. back to us. Uh, as, as far as Shohei, I mean, knowing that, that he's going to walk after this year, if the Angels screw it up, which you're 100% right, they will, because that's what <laughs> they do, he's going to be out there at the trade deadline, right? So if the Cubs are in that spot where they are three, four games back out of first, if they're two games out of the deadline, does Jed Hoyer say, you know what, let's go ahead and make that trade. Let's get him here for three months because, A, it'll help us this year, but, B, it gives us three months to recruit the hell out of the kid, put him next to Seiya Suzuki, let him see Chicago, let him get used to that, let him see Wrigley Field, and now when we go into the offseason, we have a leg up over the Dodgers or the Mets or the Red Sox or whoever else are going to make a run at it. Dom, uh, weigh in on the possible Otani O-meter. Well, I definitely had this was on the medal stand, certainly as one of the stories of the year. 29 years old. He's on a one year deal for $30 million. He's got a really great teammate on his team who's kind of, you know, 12 year, 425, which is probably what they're going to be. Let's just say in a magical land, here are the options. Option one is the Angels re sign him, but that's going to be more money than Trout. Oh, yeah. 10 years at. I mean, 450 450 i mean you got to give him more than trout because he's doing more than trout is he the fan favorite as much as trout i don't know but as i just don't see them giving him up like you'd think that would be the play i don't and you know i i just don't think the cubs have enough to unload to get that player and is it worth it at that point i mean listen i want to i want him as much as the next guy i want to have a great see a teammate I, I want him here we can recruit him when are this what i'm looking up right now socks and angels maybe he's march now well, that's coming up may end of may he, he'll be in chicago time to start spending on dinner i just I, I would love to have him here i don't see how they get rid of him i don't see how the cubs can really afford it either way i just i it's it's like a bears it's like a bears having a number one pick either whatever choice they have is is tough like do you stick with this guy do you blow it all out i mean you still have mike trout but i, I just don't see the angels wasting 30 million dollars well wasting 30 million dollars and then on top of that i think the big sticking point is going to be i was looking around major league baseball and you kind of look at farm system in contrast comparison to people that are trying to be competitive or on the cusp of being competitive and there was only a couple teams that were really out there that drew my eye. You know, obviously the Guardians have a really good, have a pretty solid far, farm system. He's not going to Cleveland, right? I, I think the big one, Sean, is it would be the Cubs versus the Dodgers. Yeah. And I'm just trying to wrap my head around, you know, the Dodgers have the farm system and they have the geographical location that he's already comfortable with that he would thrive in. I know a lot of people throw Seattle out there just because of the Ichiro connection. Sure. Um, I, per I personally don't understand it. I don't see it either. I mean, for me, Sean, it comes down to Dodgers versus Cubs. And I, 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 Dom, I actually think that we do have some of the prospects that would be interesting enough to the Angels to possibly consider making a deal. But, man, could, could we compete with the Dodgers, Sean, on that one? Well, I mean, and I think, let, let me be clear, I, I, I don't think ultimately the Cubs are trading for Shohei Otani because I don't think that they're going to give up. I think, do they have what they need to do it? Probably because like you, like you mentioned that the, the, the young pitching and also the young outfielders we have right now in the system coming up, they probably could, but it probably wouldn't be wise. 
my, my, my greater thing with Shohei is, and from the Cubs perspective is, are they at least putting, putting them in a pos- themselves in a position to have those conversations? Like when it gets, when it gets to the beginning of July, are we hearing the Peter Gammons, the, the Jason Starks, whoever passes talk about, sounds like Shohei is going to be up. The teams I'm hearing are Dodgers, Cubs, Mets. Like are the Cubs even going to be in that conversation? That to me says, if we are, then this year has gone better than probably expected. And B, they plan on spending money again next offseason. Yeah, and and I'm with you on that. But Dom, don't you feel like we have to be a little careful on that when you start hearing like from Trey Turner, who I think we talked about in the offseason. All I wanted was Trey Turner. And when Trey Turner says straight up to Jesse Rogers, the Cubs came in third. Um it sounds great, right? But then it's just another one of those things of like, oh, well, we tried. Yeah. We did the best we can. So Definitely. I'm worried about that. Yeah. And if you're coming in, if you're the, you know, you're a third class city and you're in third place in the Trey Turner sweepstakes, that's probably not in the best position your organization wants to be in. Um, you you want to win, guys. You want to barely miss out on a guy, not come in third. And, and really, if you're coming in third, do you really want to come here and play? You know, he's just throwing it out there for what? What's the gain by saying that? Nothing. And in, in, in the grand scheme of things, I, I just worry about if you're going to unload a farm system, which your your organization says they're they're working to build, is it really worth, like Sean said, five, six, seven guys? You know, a mix of young and and some you know some pitching. You're going to have young guys, current stars. You're gonna you're gonna pay a price for him. I know he's 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 a great ball player. I from what I've seen, he can do lots of stuff. I just worry that seven for one or more than seven for one is going to be very costly to an organization that says it's rebuilding. And yeah. maybe pie in the sky, Sean, uh, to put a button on the storyline before we move on is with Shohei Otani. Maybe the maybe the pie in the sky is, you know, a guy like a Kevin Alcantara, maybe a guy like a Pete Crow Armstrong. Maybe a guy like a Ben Brown or, you know, Caleb Killian. We can list a bunch of different guys in the farm system actually come up, contribute this year. Mm-hmm. So by season's end, at least in our PowerPoint presentation, next slide, please, is a clip of all the young stars that the least of the Cubs maybe have that would then be more enticing to a guy like Shohei Otani. And, and, and obviously, that's probably the only way it would work, though, right, Sean, is that these guys would have to actually come up and produce because we'd be spending so much money on one player, who in theory is two players, but you kind of get what I'm saying, um, to be able to compete and sort of sell that to a guy like Otani. Yeah, and, you know, and it, it, it's kind of like having, you know, that, that QB on a rookie contract in the NFL, right? Like, that's what right. you would have. That's what you would have. Like, at that point, you're not extending any in half, right? You're hoping that a Brennan Davis or a Pete Crow come up, and that's – that's half your outfield when Shohei's DHing and, and starting pitching. And also you're showing him that like, we've actually got young stud guys. We're going to be good going forward for a while. Now you're not stepping into two or three more years of a rebuild. You're stepping into the 2015 Cubs. We're competing for the world series the next year. It all starts in the DVD. It all started with Matt Mervis. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> Dom hop in. I just, you know, kind of piggybacking off what Sean said, like, I, it's just, it's really, <laughs> these guys, I, do you, I just don't, I don't see them going for a time. I, I feel like yeah. they're going to put an effort out. I just, is that, is that what you want to blow all this on? I mean, I sure hope they're in a position to, to make an offer is, but if you do that, like you said, is you're not going to extend Ian Happ. 
And, and I think he's, you know, not to slide back into a cub story. What, what the heck's going to happen with Ian Happ? Is this the guy we're going to build the organization around? Is it somebody who I want to build my organization around? Or or do you think the Dansby Bellinger experiment might go a little bit longer than just, you know, the contract, maybe they're the future with these young guys, as opposed to Ian Happ. Uh, Well, yeah, not to dovetail too far, but you know, with Ian Happ, I'm fine with them saying, keep showing us, right? I think we've been really frustrated by Ian Happ during his tenure in Chicago and to his credit. Yeah. To his credit though, he has worked through a lot of really tough issues to become a solid baseball player. And I feel like that he was deserving of having an all-star, you know, nod last off season. Didn't have that great of a second off the second half of last year, but okay. And I, I think that I'm just really curious to see how this team sort of performs and plays. If there is a cohesiveness and David Ross has got his boys playing with chemistry and we look up and we're doing a pod and we're like, we're four games over 500 and we're feeling pretty good. That's a great story, but also, if it's going the other direction and Cody Bellinger is playing well, you're damn sure we're trading his ass, right? And then maybe you're looking right, and then maybe you're looking into an Ian Happ situation of maybe that's when then you extend him, right? Because I think if Cody Bellinger has a huge year, I don't see him long to be in a Cubs uniform. Um, that was one of my big storylines. Uh, I'm just gonna throw it out there real quick. We don't have to spend too much time on it, but Cody Bellinger, I, I it's a really interesting X factor. And I think now is the right time to make too big of a deal out of it, right? As the season gets a little bit closer, maybe reality starts to set in. But uh, Dom, if you want to go first on this one, you know, Cody Bellinger can go two different directions, right? He hit, well, I think, what, he hit 196 last year. The guy won the MVP three or four years ago. Even the middle ground of a 250, 25 home runs and 80-something RBIs would be really impressive, would be really huge for this Cubs lineup. And I, I think it can really kind of swing the season in one direction or the other. And his performance almost kind of embodies what this team might be, right? Like, I'm going to throw good, a name We're out. good. Yeah. I, I feel this is almost like a Chris Bryant situation. You know, he played well for a long time, a long time, like three years. And then it just kind of fell off in a hurry when the injuries started piling up. And, and that's sort of, I mean, Bellinger doesn't have the community love that Chris Bryant will ever have in, in, in this city, but I mean, you got a guy, he's going to want to play for more. He knows why he's here. He knows everybody in the majors knows he hit what he hit last year. And, and personally, a guy who, who has the talent to win an MVP should take it upon himself to do something like this. And, and maybe the year works out for him and, and he gets a free agent deal for four or five years and what he's looking for. And, and maybe it's somewhere else, maybe it's here, but you, you are 100% right. This is going to, this is going to be, a really good experiment or this is going to go Milton Bradley in a hurry and he'll be gone by June and the sports writers will say, what were they doing? And, or it's going to be glorious, but either way, like you said, 15, 20 home runs, 250, 260 in the lineup, that lineup needs something like that. It's a huge, it'd be a huge plus. Um, and by the it's way, an MVP. Bryant- Chris Bryan has three home runs in the spring right now. We'll see what happens That's with him. Three more court. hits than he had in Colorado last year, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sean, <laughs> Sean, Sean, weigh in and, and just contemplate. It is spring training right now. Contemplate the concept of a bounce back year for Cody Bellinger, and it could be glorious, and it could be lineup changing for this team. Well, yeah, and I'll tie that into one of my little stories I had here. I had just simply written down power, question mark, question mark, question mark. Like, who's going to supply – 
outside of hopefully a, a healthy Suzuki, who's going to supply some power. And I think your next best guy behind that is Bellinger, if he can have a bounce back. But it's just, it's so hard to know, right? Like, I mean, the guy goes from MVP to almost borderline fifth outfielder. You can't play him. And you only do because of his defense. So I, I, I try to think about what are my expectations for him this year? Like, what would I be happy with? Like Dom said, if he got to 240, 250, and he's popping in, let's say, just in the first half, 15 home runs, like, Huge I think we'd all be ecstatic about that, yeah. right? Because he's, I don't think he's going to bat, you know, three, four in the lineup. So he's doing that probably from like a six, seven, eight spot even. I think that would be a huge win. And like you said, we're absolutely trading him at the deadline unless, like we said in the previous story, we're, we're somehow competing. So it's so hard. Like another story I kind of had tying him into that is just defense. He's going to be so good defensively, part of that outfield, potentially first base, that, you know, do you take him away with that? But I, I ultimately look at look at Bellinger the same way I look at Hap. Both of those guys are are, are basically on one year prove it deals. Like if you're killing it, maybe we talk to both of those guys at the deadline about an extension. I mean, what if what do you do? What if Bellinger literally in the first half goes three twenty with eighteen bombs and sixty ribeyes? No, I mean that that's so, and that's the thing is it's his variant level. I don't think any, he will. Any, but- anything. Anything is possible, and that's why I think Bellinger is so intriguing because obviously he's he's a guy, he's a reclamation project, right? Yeah. But you guys have illustrated so perfectly is that where he's at, I think really illustrates probably what happens to this Cubs season, right? If he's mm-hmm. cut in June, Dom, that means we're probably going in the shitter. If he's hitting 300 and he's an MVP-ish, does that mean that we are possibly an above 500 team? And will the Cubs be tempted to cash in on this reclamation project to trade him Or will they say they're going to push their chips in and try and compete? Or will he just be a solid player who's hitting 250-ish, probably Ks a ton, but hits some bombs? And, Sean, to your point, I want Dom to weigh on this too. I think the biggest one, and it's pretty obvious, right, out of some other little nuanced things that I'll get into a little bit later in the pod, the biggest one with the Chicago Cubs is, you know, we're looking at this right now, and we're like, got a lot of good guys in the clubhouse. We We got better offensive depth than we've had the last two or three seasons. We've got some dudes that can play great defense, play the game the right way, but are they going to hit home runs? Is every single night, are we going to be down five to two in the eighth inning with runners on first and second when we need a big hit and instead it's a ground ball to shortstop? I I think that's the biggest concern with this Cubs team right now. I'm with Sean on that. Well, before Don Don weighs in, let me me tell this to both of you as well. If we get to June 15th and Cody Bellinger is now playing first base five days a week as opposed to center field, is that a good thing or a bad thing for the Cubs? Pete Crow Armstrong hit 450 at Triple A. Brendan Davis. Yeah, yeah. I listen. Exactly. You need, a, you, need a th- you need a third baseman. You still have a lot of holes. You know, Patrick Wisdom is still in the, on this roster for some reason. Ian Happ is still here. Like there's still moves to you be You got to keep the core like, together. Got to keep the core together, Dom. Uh, how, how many times on, on these podcasts have we come to maybe a postseason preview or, or late in the season and it's been the same story? This is a rerun. You got to get on base. You got to get hits and you got to score runs. You, you don't necessarily have to improve pitching too much. You, you got to hit the ball. Now, maybe this is something, you know, I, I, I don't think, but. Maybe this is something the shift might still help in, in, in getting a little bit more hits, but you know, it works both ways. Like 
you think about it in terms of your team defending, what about your team hitting? You know, like, it's not like you have these huge shifts for Cubs players, but I mean, things are going to be different. Rules, rules, rules is going to be, is the top story all year. How's the pitch clock affecting the pitchers? How does it affect the hitters? Adjustments are going to have to be made. Things are going to have to be done. I, I just, there's still moves left on this team that need to be made. You know, you've got holes, whether it's by trade, whether it's at the end of this season, whether you're going to take flyers or options on these one year guys, you got to know, but I don't have, I don't necessarily have a problem with him playing first base. There's there. And if you look at the depth chart, it's nice to have choice. It's nice to be flexible in the infield. It's not second base. They've got seven choices outfield. I have to scroll through. That's how far it goes. So you have options to move people around this, you know, if Joe Madden were still here, he would love this. There'd be a different lineup 162 times. But, you know, something you said kind of struck me. If David Ross has his guys, and I think some of these signings are David Ross kind of guys, gritty and dirty, and they don't give an F, you know, like go out and play some ball. Do that. Do, do what you've done to get here. That's what these guys need to do. That's what the organization needs to do. And if it's getting more guys that he, that Ross wants, the more dirt, the more grit, go out and get them. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of intangible mojo that's kind of riding in this Cubs favor right now. Now, of course, once they start playing the games, that, that intangible can disappear very, very quickly. <laughs> and Dom, to your point, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. I'm not counting Suzuki in this conversation right now because he is hurt. Obliques are really tough. We don't know when he's coming back. But outside of Nico Horner right now, I really can't think of a guy in the lineup right now that's probably going to hit over 280. Um, and that can possibly concern us. Now, obviously, you know, you can string a couple hits together, play smart baseball, and put together some runs and pitch really well and win some games. We'll see how that works out. But again, you know, I think the margin for error is still pretty thin, even though the excitement level has been has gone up a little bit for the Chicago Cubs team. Uh, Dom, toss us a storyline, MLB or Cubs, that uh, has that's running around in your head right now. But so three weeks ago, I, I I would love to beat rules to a pulp, but but I don't want to. Like we we all know we all know the pitch clock is is going to be magical. I mean, how much more, Sean? When I go with you, how much more power drinking am I going to have to do? Because these games are a half hour. <laughs> You're going to cut me off a half hour shorter and still charge me fourteen dollars a beer. Get out of here! You're going to lower that price. So we're going to go a different direction. That's my biggest. That's my biggest can, issue with the pitch can clock. I, can I ask you one thing though? Um, would you? Would you? It's fifteen seconds right now. Would you be open to it either moving to twenty seconds in the seventh inning or later? or at least in the playoffs, consider going to 20 seconds in the playoffs just for the anticipation factor. I love the pace. I love the pace. But in that seventh inning, runners on second and third with two outs, I, I could probably use that extra five seconds. I, I, could, I, could, I could do with five more right. seconds. My concern with – okay, so let's get into it. My concern with Major League Baseball <laughs> and the pitch clock, you're going to cut these games down by a half hour. They're still going to get their pre- and post-game advertisers in. They're not worried. Locally – you're cutting everybody off in the seventh inning an hour, 45 minutes earlier. Now, all these people aren't going to go into the neighborhood after a game or before a game, but I would think some sort of meal sales or beer sales would be a concern that you're losing time. You're what are we doing out there? Uh, quick, quick counter before Sean hops in on this one, though. We watched a lot of shitty Cubs baseball the last couple of years. How many times have you seen a half empty stadium? By the seventh or eighth inning of a game that's a little out of hand, if the game's a little bit shorter, maybe you'd be more inclined to stick around. Uh, Sean, do you want to hop in? 
Yeah, you know, the rule changes are interesting. I mean, I heard Epstein talk about this like on a local channel recently, and he they asked him which one he thought of all the new rule changes are going to affect the game the most, and he he was all about the pitch clock. He was talking about watching recent, recently watching baseball games in the 70s and how quick it was. The pitcher gets the ball, gets the signing, goes, and it just gives it – it kind of gives it a more up-and-down kind of pace to a game, kind of like how the ball is always moving in the NBA. And I, 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 don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind a baseball game being 230, 235 over three hours. You know what I mean? Because especially you are right, Joey. I mean, when, when they're not good or when the Pirates aren't good or the Reds aren't good – the fans aren't sticking around past the seventh inning anyways. At Wrigley, you're seeing the stretch and you're gone to sluggers, right? So it, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't really bother me so much. None, none, of the, none of the rules this year bother me so much. I'm, I'm okay with most of them. I'm, I'm okay with the 20 seconds in the playoffs. Right now I'm reading that Joe Madden book, and he's talking about one of the more interesting chapters was how some of the decisions were made um, in the World Series, specifically game six and seven, which I find totally fascinating because – Oh my God. Like I'm reading this book and just, just sweating. Like, what are you doing? You get Chapman out of there. And um, like some, a, a lot of it he was mentioning was predetermined. Like, it, you know, the story didn't necessarily play out the way they wanted it to, but yet the pieces still fit. And, but a lot of the decisions were made ahead of time. If, if this happens, then go here. Um, and so in-game decisions still need to be made. I would be okay with with five more seconds in the playoffs, certainly, of, in the nine rounds of playoffs that MLB is going to have. Um, I, I just – advertising dollars is going to drive what happens to the pitch clock. If they can, if they can keep games around 235, still get their pre and post, things are going to work out real well. If these local networks can't make this work, this is going to be a big problem, and baseball is going to have to change. I, I think baseball is going to come down and say, do as I say, and everybody's just going to follow. But, you know, if you think these, you know, pitch clock, banning the shift, bigger bases, two mound breaks and the ghost runner aren't going to affect games. You're wrong because they are. They're already affecting games. So, yeah, I mean, the throw to first is super underrated. I'm really excited about that one, to be perfectly honest. Two breaks. You. I mean, what would Steve Traskell do? Where would Steve I mean, Traskell be in the league today? <laughs> <laughs> Steve Traxel, God bless his soul. Um, human and, rain delay. And honestly, you know, uh, I was looking it up, you know, uh, rapid fire over under in 1999, there was 3,421 stolen bases. Uh, last season, there was 2,497. The over under is, uh, you know, I don't think that we're going to see everyone running like wild now because it is only, I think, like a 0.1 second difference. Um, I do think that that number is going to go up a little bit. I do think that probably infield hits might go up just a little bit. Those bang-bang plays, maybe about five or six of them a week go in the other direction to help out a batting average. But I want to get your guys' take on this. I'm really curious where I can't make sense of the difference between, okay, so we got a faster pitch clock. These guys are getting it. These guys are getting it and throwing it, right? Which makes you lead to believe that they're probably going to have to lean back on some of the hard stuff, especially early on. Well, I don't think you're going to see a DeGrom fastball at 99, 100 miles an hour like we've seen in seasons past. Maybe take a couple miles off the fastball uh, to get into a rhythm. But, Sean, I mean, from my personal experience, like when Greg Maddox is working quick, when Mark Burley is working quick, it's to the pitcher's advantage. It doesn't help offense, right? It actually screws up the hitter more than the pitcher, and I'm really intrigued to see how that kind of plays out, especially early on. 
Well, I mean, 100% because, you know, pitchers have game plans, right? Like Don was saying about the book there, a lot of the stuff is we do this, we do this, then we do this, then we do this, where if you take away a hitter's time to, to, to step there and just simply think about what's about to come, okay, that was first pitch heater, he's probably going to go, he's probably going to go oh one slider here, you don't, you're losing that. Now it's you got to get in there, you, you can't be doing the Nomar with your gloves for 15 minutes, and then stepping in the box and trying to think it through, it's just you got to get up there, be ready and react, which Again, like I, I just the, the only thing that worries me about that, and I do agree with you, Joey, is that the game the game needs more movement. It doesn't need more strikeouts. So if this starts to lead to more strikeouts, then I think it's an issue. Right. Uh, that's the part that I'm thinking about is like it just gets a little sloppier. Like we'll see a perfect yeah. game within the first 30 games. And Don, before you hop in, how awesome is it that like poor Chris Morell? Uh, in his three deep exhales uh, before yeah. he enters the box. Uh, what it's is he going to do now? Seconds. It's just, I just want to piggyback off, off what you were talking about Please. there. I mean, you're totally right because pitchers have a mindset. Hitters are certainly going to be more, when I get in the box, I, I, dig, I dig my foot in, I draw the line, I stick my other foot, I dig my cleat, maybe I'll tap the plate on the corner, lean back, put the bat up, look at the pitcher. And by that, you know, you, I haven't even gone through thinking of the situation at hand. That's just how you get in the box as a hitter. That's kind of what clears your head is taking those steps, taking that four to five seconds of time to get set. And I think you were 100% right. Hitters are going to be way more effective than this than pitchers. You got a guy like Max Scherzer who's been salivating in the offseason to try and figure out how to get a competitive advantage to pitching. And he figured it out. He figured it out so fast that MLB had to come back after one start and say, hey, you can't do that. Yeah, he, you he made they, the call rule. Him, they, they call him for a balk because he went too fast. And like, you made the rule, and now you're going to change it. So how many other things are we going to have to go down and see? I, I just – the hitters are going to be affected. It's going to change games. Like Sean said, it's going to be more reactionary and not – thinking you might not see i'm going to go the other way to move the runner to third base when there's a runner at first and not that these you know this is such a high level that obviously they're paying attention to the game but you know we were seeing highlights over the weekend of players sprinting in from between innings because they're up first mm -hmm. you, you gotta you, what if there's a new pitcher coming in you gotta figure out what he's gonna throw his tendencies you, it's gonna hurt look Look, yeah, and look, we're making some valid points here, and I think in a 162-game season, I'm willing to live with some of these bumps in the road, right, while we try and iron it out because it's a really, really long season. And I know every game is sacred, but it's not. It's not that sacred. But as we get a little bit closer to the postseason and, and we begin this new generation of baseball, these considerations will need to happen. Now, look, I'm, I'm coming at you from – the, the frame of reference of a high school baseball player, right? As I caveat as a lot of people do when they talk about this stuff, but there's two ways to go about it, right? And I think the one version has really become in vogue in baseball where I think they compartmentalize each pitch. So they see a pitch, they walk out, they clear their mind, and then they restart their setup, their load up, and their lock-in. Where if you do go back, some of the baseball that we grew up watching, if you watch a guy like Mark Grace in the box, a guy like Tony Gwynn, for the most part, they are locked in through the entirety of the collection of pitches, right? Each one, they stay, I mean, once I they lock I'm... in, once they lock in, they stay in it the entire time. While a lot of guys like to step out now and reset every single time. And I'm just wondering how that calibration psychologically is going to work on a lot of these guys. Look, those are, those are two outlier examples, certainly, but, but you're 100% right to where 
you know, certain guys can hang around for an at bat and certain guys need to go pitch by pitch. There's, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, there's a lot of information to take in. Now, a lot of the information is now like no longer on the hitter and you have, you know, interns like me in the background who are compiling this information and showing you later, but I still think the hitter is going to want to think, okay, that was a one, one breaking ball. Last time I faced this guy, he threw me a one, one, slide piece now he's got it now next time is it going to be a one one fastball like yeah. this is the thing he's thinking of as he's now granted i don't need you know and again the outlier is nomar i, I don't need you to linger around you know walk yeah. around you're going to tap the catcher you're going to talk to the umpire look down check the sign i don't need that i just pace of play needed to be picked up i just think it, it came back with a hammer instead of a hug and you know what i say dom just hit like Tony Gwynn. No excuse. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, what it, what is gonna be what is gonna be really fun? I do think is that you know I always think of that. Uh, what was it, the last season before we traded Rizzo? He had that what that seventeen pitch at bat, and each foul ball kept the drama kept rising by pitch by pitch by pitch. That that sequence is now going to be kind of squished together a little bit more, and yeah. I think that that anticipation, those little moments in the game, will kind of eventually I think rise a little bit, and hopefully hopefully it works out. I'm intrigued to watch. I can't wait. I can't wait for it to be the sixth inning. And we're about an hour and 20 minutes into a game. I, I have to Crazy. be honest with you. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be the best. Fans, the game's going to be over by the time they get there. Pull out again. There we go. The fourth inning. Uh, Sean, uh, throw us out another storyline. What's uh, What's got your gears grinding here as we're a couple weeks ahead of spring training? To well, so I'll, I'll kind of take what we were talking about in, with MLB and pitching and bring it into the Cubs. And I'll kind of combine two things. I kind of had in my notes like a pitching rotation slash B health health. What's going to, what's going to go on with Kyle Hendricks, right? Yeah. It sounds like he's probably not going to be back till maybe end of April, May. And when he does come back, where do they slide him into the rotation and then B the rotation in general, like who's going to, who's going to be the ace. Is it Stroman? Who's going to get that fifth spot? Are they, I mean, are they really not going to give Wesneski a spot in the rotation so that Adrian Sampson <laughs> Or Dominic can pitch. Why, why is this even an op? Why is this even are being we, debated? What what are we what are we debating here? And I see some people that are very smart Cubs people talking heads, also being like, well, maybe we should start him in AAA or like you know, I I I, I don't get this, Sean. I don't get it. The dude needs some run. And speaking of run, he said he added some run to his fastball, which is something that they were worried about. They said it was too flat. I mean, I think the guy's delivery looks like Scherzer. I think he's got balls on the mound. Yes. And, and I, I think he's I think he's worth a look. I think he's worth a really long look. Longer than we gave Albert Azale. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, he, he brings a little power to the mound, which you're missing from the rest. Of the, he's not pumping 100 up there, but 95, 96, you're not getting that from Stroman or Hendricks or Sampson or whoever else is out there. And you said, like you said, you said balls, I'll say swag. That kid gets on that effing mound, gets the ball, and he goes. And when he does a good thing, he pops off that mound. He's fired up. He's looking it's at the so back. Good. I love it. Like, you don't have that. Like, Adrian Sampson's not going to give you that. Javier Assad's not going to give you that. Like, I don't know how. And he's been really good in spring training. He's been really yeah. good. You know, we're two weeks in, whatever. The kid's been good. So yeah, so that's my storyline is like who who makes the rotation and are we healthy? Dom, uh yeah, weigh in, weigh in a little bit on the rotation. And Adrian Sampson, what do we I mean, I get it. He had a strong finish last year. The dude's 31. Look, he's he's Alec Mills 2.0, right? I mean, I, I just don't get it. Um, I don't understand why Hayden Wisniewski, we're just not plugging him in and we're giving him the Justin Steele treatment. Like, you know, show us 10 starts and we'll go from there. 
Yeah. I mean, pitching's clearly going to drive this team. I mean, yeah. there's no big deal. If, if, if you can't score runs, you're not going to win. Well, you can, if you have good pitching, you can only, you don't you just don't need as many at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Strowman's got to be, you give him the ball on opening day. Yeah. You have to, I mean, I, I don't want it's it's tough on the Hendricks thing because I don't want it to slip into Kerry Wood territory where it's, you know, where he's not he's at spring training, but he hasn't thrown a ball yet. And now, you know, end of March, he's going to pick up a ball. And then end of April, up oh, a setback. And here we are at Memorial Day. Like, do we shut him down? I, I, I don't want it to get into that situation. The lack of kind of information or clarity on the injury doesn't help my anxiety level with it. <laughs> Would I like it? I mean, Kyle Hendricks is certainly not the pitcher we saw three, four years ago when we were on this pod talking about Kyle Hendricks is your ace and you put him at the yeah. top. Uh, you know, you got to mix in. You got him. We saw when he was the stud that you had to mix in some, some heat and, and some other guys in there just to throw other teams off because he, he, they tee off, they tee off on a whole weekend and it's not good. And when you get back to back, teams that can do that on you now it's a whole week you've lost and four and six with 16 starts isn't an ace it's 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 a four or five starter that's that's tough it's not it's not there anymore right this is john lester 2019 2020 if he gives you five strong innings you're like that's my guy remember remember that and like maybe you know i just threw adrian sampson under the bus maybe it is a combo day when you're trying to match up hendrix with days when Keegan Thompson and Adrian Sampson can give you those couple extra innings to cover. And if Kyle Hendricks gives you four solid innings and gets through the lineup, you know, once and a half, um, I think that you're happy. And, and you know, to, to both of your points, like you're kind of looking at it, you know, I, I'm, I'm cool with our depth at rotation right now. I'm not saying that we're upper yeah. echelon or anything, but no, look like, a depth i think depth we can agree on maybe the talent we can also agree on that probably oh. <laughs> isn't where it needs to be right but if you're looking at it stroman tyone smiley justin Steele, wesnewski rotation guy samson sixth hendrix awesome. right now seventh thompson i mean i think they're going to try and run thompson out for those three innings those three inning starts that are three inning appearances that he ran out last year because it became so valuable this mixture of like Hey, uh, can you give us three or four innings and we'll give Thompson the next three? I thought that was really intriguing. And then on top of it, too, is you know, I the part that kind of scares me is we've got some pieces in the bullpen, but who the hell is our closer? Is it Boxberger? Is, who, who is our closer? And <laughs> as of right question. now, as of right now, I've been scouring the earth and we only have one lefty in the bullpen right now. And it's Brandon Hughes with no other lefty possibly in sight. I'm kind of curious how that plays itself out. Sean, hop in. Well, yeah. So I mean, I, I had I had bullpen. I had that exact topic as one of my stories yeah. too. Bullpen. Who's the closer? I, I mean, I know you were just saying, and I, and I agree with you with like Keegan Thompson on the three innings. But closer is he, not, is he not a guy? I mean, that guy can pop it in there, ninety-seven, ninety-eight. I mean, isn't he the one? If it if it's not Boxberger, isn't it Keegan Thompson to start the year? I mean, who who, who else? My guy. If, if they run Rowan Wick out there oh, as God. the closer to start the season. I'm shutting it down April 5th. I can't do it. I can't watch it. I can't watch the walks and the three-run home runs. I can't do it. So to me, I mean, I, I go in there, and you're going to get, what, Cody Hewer back at some point, but you're not going to dump him in into that role in, in July or August. So yeah, to me, that's, I, 
Yeah, Cody Hewer, in my opinion, that's yeah. a 2024 look, right? If he comes back and pitches a little bit, I think that's awesome. But it's going to be yeah. so low, low, like low pressure, low leverage situations. I, uh, yeah, you could bring I, in a guy like Michael Fulmer, but I think you want yeah. Michael Fulmer in the seventh or eighth inning. Not yet. I think I tell Keegan, to... yeah, I tell Keegan Thompson, like, yo, man, go out there, go max effort for one inning and get me three outs. Dom, how about uh, Dylan Maples? Pass. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know what? I think the biggest question mark, like you said, is going to be the order of appearance and how it starts to play out through the season. You know, you, you might start one way and be like, yeah, this isn't my guy on a split day. He doesn't do what, you know, that's like the Lester dirty inning thing where you, you want it to go your way. It doesn't always go your way, but you've certainly got a plan in place. And, and that's just going to take through May to figure that out. Cause it always does. Yeah. No, that's very fair. I mean, I'm just, I think we're all sort of screaming the, between the lines here. There's going to be a lot of games that are going to be two to one in the eighth inning, two to two, three to two. I mean, I'll like, like, get ready, Cubs fans. I'm just telling you, I think there's going to be a lot of low-scoring one-run games. And the Cubs are going to be able to compete in these games because they are going to be able to play some defense, save some outs here and there. Um, and then it's going to be the question of, you know, which is the bend-don't-break? This offense that probably needs a little bit more power or this back-end bullpen that has some arms and has some interesting names out there, but they don't have anyone. They, the, the roles have not been cast in this play yet in the bullpen by any stretch of the imagination. And if you are Dom, if that's what you're, you're intimating, it's going to take a month to figure out. I'm fine with that, but man, that's some bumps in the road. And that's not, you might lose some games early on that maybe you could have picked up. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, like, and one of the things, one of the rosters that are defined in the roles that are defined uh, Mount Crushmore, the, number three on the list. They are, they're three in the MLB headlines this year, Mount Crushmore and San Diego. They are becoming like the onions version of the Mets, they're going to sign everybody, every free agent out there and then kind of release them slowly. But I am certainly not looking forward to any kind of West coast trip that involves the Dodgers and San Diego at this point, because it's looking like the old bull circus trips where you're just like, well, here's Owen 12. I don't have to watch for two and a half weeks, but <laughs> like, I mean, Manny well, Machado, guess what? They, they guess what? They play the Dodgers twice in April and the Padres too, as well. So they got well, at least nine, ten games against the team in the first month. They got they already got my money, and I might go zero and two in like the first two weeks of the season. It doesn't look good. Machado, good excuse. Bogers. Good excuse for Sean to maybe come out to come out to LA. We'll see. <laughs> right? And then I got, I got one more thing I wrote down: payroll issues. The Cubs, the, they loaded up. You know, for all intents and purposes, they. they there was no big splash. It was yeah. a lot of little puddles that came together. The Cubs right now are sitting at $173 million for the year. Sounds like, they're missing, sounds, year. Like, sounds like they're missing a $30 million a year player, though, Dom. That's, Am I, I wrong? mean, if you just want to look around the league, you've got the Mets at 304. How's that going to work out? They're going to be out before the Cubs are going to be out. Yankees at 267, Phillies in the NL at 223, San Diego at 205, Dodgers at 179. You still got the wow. big markets spending the money, but the team that we have doesn't look very reflective of a of a major player here. They definitely look like a $173 million payroll. And, what's, yeah, and also what, what's scary about that too is not spending that money is when you start to project ahead, like outside of Shohei Otani in this next free agent class, Who's Ian Happ's kind of one of the next best guys. 
Like you, this was the off season if you were the Cubs to drop some serious coin and make a most likely add a Trey Turner or something like that. See if that extra whatever wouldn't have changed his mind. But well, no, look, and that's the thing. And you know, I'm not grabbing a shovel and we're not going to the graveyard. But when you do trade guys from your team, whether you think that they have a future or not, they have a past performance that you're going to have to fulfill. My favorite example of all of this is when the White Sox traded Chris Sale. And I wasn't on board with it at the time because I said, no matter who you get back, you're always going to be trying to replace Chris Sale. To this day, the White Sox are still trying to replace Chris Sale. Michael Kopech and Yohan Mankata have flashed here and there. We'll see how they do this season. But to this point, it still hasn't come to fruition yet. They're still trying to replace that person. And that's what happens when you move on from someone. You have to have a plan in place to at least net neutral that and bring in someone and have them get replaced, like, you know, at least have someone get replaced. And we're still trying to find those guys. We're still looking for our first baseman. Do we have our left fielder? We're not so sure. We're definitely looking for our third baseman. And we think we found our shortstop, which I, th I think we have. I think Dansby Swanson is going to be fine. I think we're definitely going to have a podcast this year when he's one for 23 and maybe hitting 239 in May. And we're all going to be like, what did we spend our money on? But that's exactly who we spent our money on is a guy who's a little bit hot and cold and very streaky. Yeah. Um, but no, Dom, Dom, you're bringing up a great one because honestly, I had this on my list too as well. And it isn't so much payroll. It's just like, man, um, you know, the Chicago Cubs, we're talking all about the try-hard Cubs, maybe winning 84 games. And the NL Central is right there. I mean, we're going to be competitive in that division. Go outside the division for a second. And it is a scary hellscape that is very, very top heavy um, and, and really difficult to wrap my head around. And Sean, I want to throw this to you. I mean, I, the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Padres, the Mets, the Braves, I think each of those teams are capable of winning 100 games. That's five teams. Two of them are in the same division. Three of them are in the same division. So, I mean, out of all those teams right now, I mean, maybe put the money aside, just roster construction. Which one do you kind of like the most? Which one do you think did what they needed to do in the offseason? And which one do you think is going to be uh, perhaps the scariest, at least walking into the year? Well, I mean, yeah, first off, it's, it's terrifying to think that, like, the Cubs could conceivably be second best in our division. And that would still probably only put them around – seventh eighth best in the national league like that's just that's that's a little crazy oh we could we could win a wild card and we could be like yeah. 23 games behind the number yeah, one it's, seed it's crazy like, for real. i mean as, as as far as all all the teams you know that have spent the money I, I think the one that 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 scares me the most still i think it's gonna be the phillies me too i think you know coming off being in that world series and then you bring in a guy like Trey Turner. I know Harper's down for a minute or two, but you've got a lot of veterans on that team. You've got guys who have won World Series on that team. They're going to score a lot of runs. The pitching is decent. We'll see about we'll see about their defense. I mean, Trey Turner helps with that, but, but I think the Phillies, like the, the Mets losing to Grom. I mean, that's I know they they brought in Verlander, but I, I, we'll see how that works. I think I think the Dodgers take a step back. I mean, losing Gavin Lux is a blow to them. Padres are going to be without Tatis for whatever. And then they're going to have to find a way to mesh all those guys together, yada, yada. I think the Phillies could conceive me. They, they could kind of be the 2016 Cubs where they pick right back up and they just start boat racing through the first couple months of the season. Yeah, Dom, out of those five, Phillies, Dodgers, Padres, Mets, Braves, um, you know, who do you think is the crown jewel right now? Who do you think is the one that's scaring you the most? All of them. 
you got all these teams dumping money and you got my team who is just like treading water. I don't want to face any of hey, those Trey, teams. Trey Mancini, hold on. Our head's yeah, above exactly. water. You're going to go get <laughs> Trey Mancini off a scrap heap and, and consider it a win. Um, but seriously, like every one of those teams is scary. I mean, I just, can we play the Reds and the Pirates every single day? You know, you can sprinkle in some Brewers if you want. We got to see Contreras, uh, who's already just, you know, came out against the organization. But I understand, you know, I'm not going to go after my new boss who just handed are, are me you a paycheck. Yeah. And, are you surprised, Dom? No, are like, what is he going to say? Like, this this is a this is junk and I like my old job better. No, he's not going to say that. He went, he went full Terry, all right? <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Uh, meanwhile, no, and, he, and you know what? He's going to hit a huge double in Bush Stadium and give the, the Cardinals blue. a lead, four to three, and he's going to, like, you know what I mean? He's going to do the open. whole puffing his chest, and, yeah, it's going to be a whole deal. We will probably plunk him at least once next year. It'll be a whole deal, and then he'll pop his hamstring, and then he'll go away. It's I, <laughs> Give him the script. Give him not the script. <laughs> uh, but, no, I mean, guys, I, I'm Sean, I'm with you, man. I'm looking at that Phillies team. And they've already got the bats. We already know that they have a strong starting pitching staff, obviously with Nola and Wheeler leading the way there. And then they go out and they add a guy like Trey Turner who got a 10 year deal for $300 million. I don't know if it's like the symmetrical numbers, all the zeros in it or something, but like, God, that is like, it feels like a, like a bargain to me. And I, I, I was looking at, I was trying to think too as well. And this is kind of roping back and maybe touching on all the stuff that we've already talked about today. You know, you're talking about, hey, we're getting rid of the shift. We're trying to bring offense back. We're making the bases a little bit bigger. Who does this maybe benefit the most? Well, it benefits a player like Trey Turner the most. Mm -hmm. And is there a guy like, are we going to see a guy this year? Are we going to see a guy hit 350 this year? It's been a while, right? I think the NL batting leaders have been in the 330s, some in the 320s. I think Jeff McNeil won in the 320s. Are we going to get back to a guy in the 350s? I was trying to rack my brain. Is there anyone in the game that you think is capable of hitting 350 right now, I kind of don't see it, but if there is anyone, it could be a Trey Turner type. It, it, yeah, it could be, but I think it goes back to the conversation we were saying earlier with the, with the new rule changes, like it, it favors the pitcher. So that's going to hurt the hitters a little bit. And I just think in general, the pitchers are too good now for a guy to go out there and hit 350, 360. You know what I mean? If, I mean, if a guy like Mike Trout in his prime, who was hitting three, whatever, couldn't do it, you know, Turner's had, years to try and do it i i just don't see it either yeah it's i mean i was trying to think of a guy i was trying to think of a dude that just has good bat to ball skills it just hits i mean you've got your jeff I, Niels. I, take, I take it back nick madrigal at the hot corner is going 356 <laughs> baby 356 with a 372 on base let's he go is, he just needs to qualify for those minimum abs yeah, right <laughs> Uh, you know, I was just thinking about it. You know what I mean? If, if we're going to see, I'm hoping that we see batting averages go up. I want to see more guys hit over 300. Um, but I, I don't see, I don't know if there's a particular guy in the game right now that'll be able to do it. And man, yeah, the NL is just going to be stacked. And, and Dom, to your point too, I mean, when you look at the Mets, Padres, and the Phillies, what they did in the offseason, not even mentioning the Dodgers in this conversation, the deadline's going to be insane. If you don't think yeah. these teams are not going to go out there and sell whatever other pieces that they have to even get stronger, to bring another star onto their team, maybe roping back into the Otani conversation, you're yeah. crazy. All these guys are going to be going after it. And um, it's literally going to be a season of haves and have nots um, in the NL. The question is Padres, Mets, Phillies, 
you know, these are all really, really long-term deals. I mean, the Cubs are going to have to factor into this somehow, right? We're yeah. not going to factor into this turn and double plays and winning three to two at some point. We are going to have to somehow figure out a way to, you know, obviously get more talent onto the team. Earlier at some point, you know, when you're going up against some of these offenses, but yeah, I get it. I get the old mantra that, you know, good pitching shuts down good offense. But when you're facing some of these teams, like what the Padres might be, what the Phillies might be, a really good start from your starting pitcher might still be giving up four runs. So your yes. team have to be able to go out there and, and match that. And I, that's what worries me. You know, we're not predicting this year, but we're, what worries me about the Cubs this year is like we were saying a minute ago, that it might take them that kind of month, month and a half to figure out the bullpen, to figure out who's doing what in the lineups. But we all know Wrigley. It's cold as hell still in April and May. You're not popping, you're not popping dingers onto Wave One and Sheffield just yet. You got to play small ball and win. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that enough in April or May. And then my fear is that by the time they start figuring it out in May and June, you are 10, 12 games back, and we're not in the conversation to do anything at the deadline. Well, uh, the, just a quick little preview. I, I mentioned tease the schedule a little bit. Um, I don't have the homes and aways. I just have the opponents, right? Uh, opponents for the Cubs this season in April, Brewers, Reds, Rangers, Mariners, Dodgers twice, A's, Padres, Marlins. Kind of a halfy of some tough ones and probably yeah. some winnable series, right? But in May, though, as you mentioned, is a pretty good month for the for the Cubs, in my opinion. And I think they have a chance to kind of mm. get into shape and kind of get us a little excited. Nationals, Marlins, Cardinals, Twins, Astros, Phillies, Mets, Reds, Rays. Now, look, Astros, <laughs> Phillies, Mets. That's a 10-game stretch there. It's not going to be a lot of fun. But you do have the National Mar uh, Marlins and Mets. June, Padres, Angels, Giants. Pirates twice, Orioles, Cardinals, Phillies, Guardians. Kind of halfy. Another halfy there, in my opinion. July, Guardians, Brewers, Yankees, Red Sox, Nationals, Cardinals twice, White Sox. That's a pretty decent month. You could probably pr play pretty well in that month. August, Reds, Braves, Mets, Blue Jays, White Sox, Royals, Tigers, Pirates, Brewers. Another good month right there, in my that's opinion. That's the month you want right there. That's the month. But the question is, are we going to be trading guys or not? That, Who's yeah, going to be no, on the, the team? team will not look the same by then. I assure and you. Then finally, and then finally, honestly, September, if you want to get really excited, and if you want to be in the race, baby, September, Reds, Giants, Diamondbacks twice, Rockies twice, Pirates, Braves, Brewers. Here we go. Doable. Hang on until September. <laughs> but that's what they're going to be. Like, this is going to be uh, two questions I wrote down. Can this team win? followed by consistently those are two separate but heavy questions for this team i mean great you can you can if you can tread water in this central division and maybe make it to late august and september you have a pretty good shot at that point but if you can't get out of the middle of april or the middle of may this is this is not going to go well yeah, I asked this question to George Hoffman on the pod the other day. I said, you know, with the Chicago Cubs, is the entertainment going to outweigh the agony this year? Because that is the, the hallmark of a 500-ish team is, to, you know, to keep it very fundamental and simple. You win one day, you lose the next day. You're riding high in April, yeah. shot down in May kind of situation. And if you are the Chicago Cubs, it's going to be kind of maybe maybe working through, keeping the losing streaks at a minimum and trying to build and play good baseball. I don't see – this team doesn't strike me as a team that's going to rip off six, seven wins in a row. I think it's going to be more about mitigating losing streaks, right? And also maybe he's trying to salvage like salvage series, winning on Sundays, right? Like winning yeah, and going away day, 
and all that stuff. Sean, hop in. Final thoughts, well, guys. And, and I think what you just said, Joey, about the, the not winning six, seven in a row, I think it's what makes getting off to a good start in April being in May so important because I, I'm with you. You know, they're, they're, they're not going to be a team, I would think, that if they get far behind in a division are going to have the ability to chase a team down that has gotten out to a six, seven game lead. Because to do that, you're going to have to get hot and you're going to have to have a span where you win seven, eight, nine, ten in a row and have that team ahead of you go four and six. And I just don't know that that's what this team is going to be capable of doing. So they need to get out to a good start, be there, kind of tread water, get things figured out, get into the summer, more, more fans in the stand, the wind's blowing out, and then just see what happens. Yeah, and get off to a good start because, you know, if you want to talk about intangibles and defense and all this personality and the clubhouse culture, everything like that, you need to see it on the field right away to kind of fortify that, build that foundation, and then you can always lean on it through tough times. Dom, uh, final thoughts before we're out of here. I got, I got two. One is, you know, something I'm really excited for this season that I, that I haven't mentioned yet is all the quality programming that I'm going to see on the Marquee Network. Uh, throughout the year. So I'm very excited for that as usual. Um, and I mean, I would, I, I would love to make reservations somewhere for a parade in October. I would winning is contagious and losing is a disease. That's, that's what this team is going to be. It's either we're all going to roll or it's just, it's going to come down one by one by one by one by one. Um, so it's March 8th, and I can say I'm sort of optimistic. Yeah, the guys that are on the team right now are on the team for right now. And as That's you mentioned, right. the one by one by one, <laughs> if this season goes south, guess where those players are going? To different cities. San Diego. <laughs> I don't think they're going to take Hosmer back there in San Diego, but we'll figure it figure something out uh we got to get out of here this episode of bet on chicago is presented by betonline.ag 50 percent welcome bonus when you use promo code believe b-l-e-a-v hop on there right now get your mlb futures in right now maybe go over on that 77.5 in the chicago cubs because you know what damn it it's march 8th and it's spring training hope springs eternal my cubs consigliere is so great to see you guys sean graves dom fortini you guys are the best. We'll make sure you guys come on back and check out another pod because in a couple weeks we are going to do over-unders and win-loss predictions for this season. Get ready for the middle. <laughs> Till then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Uh, stick around. we got a lot of great content coming up in the next couple weeks, especially a lot of NFL draft talks. So make sure you come on back. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.